Uh, you did an apology before the last podcast, didn't you, about the quality of the recording? Yes. We seem to have solved that this time. Yes. It's probably worth explaining that I was actually recording in space. <laughs> I mean, Chris Redfield managed to do it without making him sound like he was underwater. I was I was busy in space, and I had one of those big fishbowl helmets on, and um, I was drifting around International Space Station Bowie. Yes, ground control to Major Tom. Check ignition now. Is your microphone working? <laughs> and no Round it wasn't control to Major Tom yes <laughs> are you drinking a cup of tea are you drink- was that the sound effect of you drinking a cup of tea was that an audio treat I was, I was expecting you to do more a- Bowie so I was just having a sip in the background whilst I thought I had a moment of not having to talk <laughs> just, you just sort of I thought you were going to go off on one <laughs> I was going to go on the phone you, you were expecting me to sing the whole song yes. no sorry here I am recording in a podcast far above the world Welcome, one and all, to That Was Genius, the history podcast in which Tom, who's the other guy, and Sam, who's this guy right here, discuss history stories on a theme each week. The theme is prepared the week in advance, but everything else is a surprise, and this week it is... Planet Earth is blue, is there much I can't do? Do you know what else is blue, Tom? River water, to get us vaguely on a topic for the week. (laughs) Rivers, is it rivers this week? Yes. Rivers the topic? Rivers is the topic this week after a roundabout introduction in which we've got the days of the week wrong. Apologise for technical problems in last week's episode and sung some Bowie. We're talking about rivers this week. How have you found this week, Tom? Mm, yeah, I've got a source. It's a weird source. Most rivers um, do, Tom. Most rivers do. Budum tush geography pun. Excellent. Thank Good you. Work. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> I pay tributary to you, yes, Sam, for that joke. Yeah, Wee. Yes. So rivers. I, yes, I've 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 got plenty to talk about, but I I didn't really get a really juicy topic to get stuck into. I got this source, and I looked at this source, and I thought, oh, this is gonna be brilliant. And I started reading it, and I realised it was a really really difficult source to work with. But I'm gonna go with it anyway. I'm going. That's fine. We'll anyway. tell some knob jokes. We'll make the most of it. <laughs> Absolutely. I think there may even be some knob jokes in it. Oh, superb. What attracted me to it in the first place. (laughs) Ah, the graffiti on the toilet walls is true. Well, I'm going to put this on the flip side, Tom. I really struggled to find anything to talk about that was interesting, much like you. And then, then I stumbled across what I think, this is a bold statement, considering we've talked about some pretty stupid stuff on this podcast, I think this might be the silliest thing that's ever been talked about on this podcast. Oh, really? Yeah, I'm going to put that out there. I'm very excited. Me too. I'm thrilled. I'm sort of already giggling to myself, knowing what I'm going to so talk this about is, today. So this is sillier than Mexican generals with no legs? Yes. This is sillier than a, than a guilty dragon? Oh, no. It's even sillier um, than a guilty dragon. It is sillier oh. than taking a massive shit in Westminster Cathedral. <laughs> oh, yes. Sorry, I get the reference <laughs> took, took you a moment. <laughs> I always think that's a strange thing to say. So flannel wash bottom <laughs> episode four, I think. Yes, I think it was. I think that was Catherine of Aragon, was it not? Uh, it was indeed. <laughs> excellent. Oh, well, I'm, I'm very excited. Yeah, I've gone for a bit of Japanese folklore this week. Well, okay, okay. So you're going Japanese folklore. I've the, the source I've got is from um, Norse mythology. Ooh. Yeah, and so you know it's going to be there's going to be some gems in that. Norse yeah, mythology. there's Norse definitely going to be some murdering. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, a bit of murdering. Yeah, some killing of giants. Yep, absolutely. Good. Okay, so what are we going to flip then? That's river themed. What are we going to flip? That's Have river themed. Have you got a glass in front of your cup of tea? 
And <laughs> <laughs> looking at the colour of my cup of tea, it's possibly less river and possibly more canal. Let me think. We used I to don't... go kayaking down canals, didn't we, in Birmingham? We did. That was one of the ways we used to spend our sunny days at university. We'd go for a little poodle down the canal from the university into the city centre in Birmingham. You say sunny. Uh, I distinctly remember coming home after a couple of those kayaks without any feeling in my fingers. That's the Files disease, Tom. That's the Files disease. Yeah. Well, d- yeah. That's didn't tetanus. We once, we once went into the centre of Birmingham and someone had poured some form of oil into the canal. Yeah, there'd been like, a, I think one of the boats had leaked or had a, something like that, yes. I mean, the canal was It wasn't Rosie and Jim, sort of. <laughs> Rosie and Jim love sitting alight to canal boats. Yeah. <laughs> and they don't mention that enough in the TV series, the arson side of things. <laughs> Rosie and Jim, Rosie and Jim, flicking a match at the old rag doll. Watching it burn, <laughs> watching it burn, watching the fucker burn. Man. Um, yeah, Rosie and Jim, well-known children's TV programme from the UK for people not from the UK, uh, based on a canal boat. If we ever mention something that you don't understand in this podcast and you're not from the UK, assume it's a 90s TV programme. <laughs> it's a safe bet. <laughs> it is a very, yeah, it is a very safe bet. What was this strange string of words that just came out there? Are they, is someone having a fit or is that a TV programme? It's probably a TV programme. <laughs> but thanks for your concern. What are we going to flip? Do you know what? I, we flipped this before, but it's vaguely river-themed. I've still got the little 3D-printed boat on my desk that we flipped several episodes Let's ago. Let's do that again. So, Tom, would you like the uh, the side which people what live on, yeah. the top side, if you like, or would you like the underside, where the Barnacle King resides? I was about to say cockles, the cockley bit. Yes. And the Barnacle belly Would bit. you like cockles or semen, Tom? Your choice. <laughs> Oh, I've never... And what a choice. What a choice. Yeah, I I love a menu like this. Mm. What wine would you recommend with with the steamer? Top or bottom, Tom? Top or bottom? I I will go for the mast. You'll go for the mast. The toppy bit. Okay. You're going to flip this. An audio treat. And you win, Tom. Oh, excellent. That sounded like you rolling a dice in a game of Monopoly. Which <laughs> yes. dice? Yeah, in fact, dice, I've got a link here. That links me on to um, one of the things I almost did. Oh, does it? You, you've heard the phrase, the dire cast. I have, yeah. Yeah, well, that's that's a Julius Caesar phrase. That comes from when he declared, or essentially declared war on the Roman Senate. And I was going to do crossing the Rubicon, which is another phrase associated with Julius Caesar. So the Rubicon was yes. a river in, or it is still a river, in the north of Italy. And traditionally, it was a boundary. I think it the was Roman a boundary homeland that you weren't and the rest supposed of the empire. To, yeah, you weren't supposed to march. As, as a general, you weren't supposed to march your armies beyond the Rubicon. And if you did so... It was essentially declaring war on the Roman Senate. And uh, Julius Caesar did this, and it obviously led to, uh, led to a civil war. And it was when he was crossing the Rubicon that he said the die are cast. Then he had his civil war against Crassus and Pompey, which obviously led to the end of the Roman Republic. So I, I almost did that, but I thought it was a bit too obvious. And I, yeah. I briefly mentioned it to you, didn't I? And I know you knew that phrase. Yes, yeah. Yeah, I mean the phrase is it, it. Basically, the phrase means there's no turning back. Absolutely, yeah. You've crossed the Rubicon. Yep. It's now or never. It's now or never. <laughs> Come hold me tight. Carp my testes. <laughs> and smell oh, my shite. through the night. <laughs> <laughs> and if something should press into your back. <laughs> It's, it's not what you think it is. 
<laughs> so there's this, and I so Beautiful. I started looking at battles that took place on rivers. Yes, I looked at that as well. Yeah, but I thought battles. I've done quite a few battles in recent episodes, um, but there was a very very good one, and that's the Battle of Rourke's Drift, which took place by a river. And uh, I mentioned that to you, and obviously you knew about that one as well, so I thought, oh, I'm going to have to be a bit more creative. For those who don't know, that was a battle that took place in 1879, where around 140 British soldiers, plus a few extras who weren't soldiers, held a mission station... And Michael Caine. And and Michael Caine. My name is Michael Michael Caine, Caine, and I am (laughs) badly impersonated by everyone. (laughs) (laughs) Including myself. Michael Caine. Michael Caine. <laughs> really, I'm my own worst enemy when it comes to being Michael Caine. <laughs> because I do such a bad impression of Michael Caine. It's a bit of a <laughs> yeah. cult impression, isn't it, in the UK, the Michael Caine impression. It is, and yes. Rob Brydon and Steve Coogan have got their famous skit about Michael Caine. They do. So the 140 British soldiers, including Michael Caine, held a mission station when under attack by three to 4,000 Zulu warriors in is that, I guess that would be South Africa or was that Zimbabwe where would that have been it was South Africa God bless Wikipedia and, and God yes, bless the British Empire Tom oh, God bless British Empire God bless God bless and 17 British soldiers were killed in this battle but around oh, between, estimates between 350 and 850 Zulus were killed so it's just a famous backs up against the wall military victory and yes it got turned into a film called Zulu which starred Michael Caine and speaking of bad accents Tom Yes. Interestingly, in the film, the soldiers are portrayed as being Welshmen with beautiful singing voices, uh, whereas in fact, in real life, they were from Birmingham. Absolutely. Which oddly doesn't translate well into a dramatic epic on film. That was that is incredibly good knowledge, actually, Sam, because that's something I read about it. They could have had Jasper Carrot. <laughs> I could have had Lenny Henroy. It's Lenny Henry from Birmingham as well. You're all right. He um, is. He's from Dudley, yes. From Dudley. He's from Dudley. Yes, so they, <laughs> yeah. they had lost, and they were only yeah, they were only about fifteen Welshmen, weren't there? There were a few Welsh, Scottish, and Irish, but the majority were from Birmingham. Yeah, I read that as well. Very interesting. Good bit of information there, Sam. I think they probably did have to change that for the film uh, because it just doesn't sound as dramatic when you have a Brummie saying, "Oh, it's there's hundreds of Zulus coming over the hill." I think I'm scared for my life now because it just sounds like you're about to fall asleep. <laughs> it's a bit like when. Uh, Darth Vader, David Prowse, who actually played the guy in the Darth Vader suit. You've never seen Star Wars, so this means nothing to you. He's a tall bloke, isn't he? He's sort of seven foot four. He's the tall he's the bad guy. Yeah. yeah, and he was a body he was a bodybuilder, but he was from the West Country in Britain. And uh, and they decided that his voice probably wasn't suitable for Darth Vader because he sounded a bit like this. He oh, sounded right, like the Wurzels, Tom. Luke, I am, I your, am father. your father. <laughs> Did we just do the same line at the same time? Yeah, he's turned to the dark side, then. <laughs> we did. In the Excellent. same bad West Country accent. wonderfully in sync. Get off my Death Star! You just bugger off! Death Star is the name of a very strong cider from the West Country. Death Star. <laughs> makes you absolutely shit your guts out. The that next does. morning, you ah. do have a Death Star, I tell you. <laughs> yeah. So Destroyer of planets, that one. Oh. <laughs> oh dear. Two points to that and millions of voices will create an agony. <laughs> anyway, I'm just quoting Star Wars now. Again, this means nothing to you. No, I didn't. Right. I, didn't I didn't get that reference, sorry. Anyway, do you want to go first, Tom, or do you want to go second? I'm Let's going do first. some history sorry, for I'm these good first. people. Yeah, no, that was me segueing. You're going first. Going first. Sorry. 
That was me oh, segueing into Good. me going first. Yeah. Anyway, so yes, I looked. I looked at that. What I, What did I then look at, Sam? I was looking at more famous battles that took place at a river. Now, Sam, I came across this one on Wikipedia, which made me giggle, and I'd like to see if you can guess or you can tell me more about where this battle took place. I'll, I'll tell you the specifics of where it took place, but if you could tell me exactly which country it took place in, I'll be very impressed. So it took place in the year 1000, yeah. and it took place at the Fords of Baruna, and the winning side were led by Sir Peter Wolfsbane, um, Aureus, and Edmund Pevensey, and the f- defeated army were led by Jardis, General Otmin, and Gnarbrick. Oh, that sounds... Is that in Wales, Tom? Is it in Wales? No, it's not in Wales. Do you want to have another guess? Maybe uh. what civilization we're talking about here? I don't know. I'm completely... I No, not, not a clue. Sounds very Viking, obviously. Do you know why you're baffled, but... Sam? It's because it's actually a battle from the line, the witch in the wardrobe. <laughs> it's been written up on Wikipedia like a proper battle. And I'm a big fan of the Chronicles of Narnia. But that's fucking nerdy. Whoever has done this, and it's hilarious because it has a column in the right-hand side that says belligerents. And and it has a list of people on both sides in the battle. So here's the great army of Narnia. Uh, Lots of talking animals were present at the battle, um, including kangaroos. Including kangaroos? I know. I thought that was quite strange that there were kangaroos in Narnia. It's nice that they invited the Anzacs along. (laughs) That was at the Gallipoli battle just shortly before the Falls of Baruna. Yeah, so the the men-headed bulls, which I think is actually a minotaur, really, if we're going to get technical. Yeah, but minotaurs copyright. Yeah, they were listed as red dwarves, and presumably they're like squirrels, dwarves. <laughs> and, and the red, red dwarves. Ones, yeah, the red ones are the little bastards that keep, you know, taking over from where the grey dwarves live. The grey squirrels are the bastards, the big fat American chunkers. Well, yeah, those so are forcing the, out our native squirrels. So it might be the grey dwarves that were on the white witch's side then in this battle. And there's a giant as well. I so, thought that was going to be a red dwarf reference coming in there, and unfortunately there wasn't. I didn't. No, I didn't go anywhere near that. Sorry, I didn't. It didn't even register. And I'm a big fan of red dwarf. Oh, Mr. Ribbon, oh, Mr. Ribbon, oh. you're a smeek, a smeek. Heed. Again, I, I refer to my earlier point. Is Tom having a fit? Is it a '90s TV reference? Your pick, audience, your guess. <laughs> you could, it's like a flowchart. Follow the flowchart. <laughs> the weird thing is, that did sound very much like you were having an episode to anyone who hasn't seen Red Dwarf. Yeah, good. Good. <laughs> Couldn't have proved my point better. <laughs> Absolutely. There's also a giant. So um, the Great Army of Narnia, which incidentally on this Wikipedia page <laughs> even has a flag. They, they managed to get a giant involved. That's a giant rumble buffing. I- Getting the feeling that your actual source that you're talking about today is probably going to be fairly short, isn't it? Because <laughs> <laughs> you are stringing out trying to get there. We've gone into quite a lot of depth in, <laughs> into one of the battles of Narnia. <laughs> yes, it's true. And no. as of yet, I haven't seen a primary source other than the Chronicles of Narnia. It's not a prime. There is a link coming here, Sam. Don't worry. I'm linking it all together beautifully. Let me just take you through the army of the White Witch. because there This are is going to be a treat to edit. <laughs> There are some historical things here. The Army of the White Witch. Now, amongst others, there were some boggles. Sam, presumably enjoyed, I don't know, games involving words. The board game Boggle. Yep. Hags. Hags that were involved. Just some old ladies attacking attacking with brooms. With smelly feet. (laughs) 
with handbags full of bricks. Took time out of saying slightly racist things to their hairdressers whilst getting a blue rinse and perm done. Have that, you bitch. To come and fight for the white witch. Oh, you horrible bastard. (laughs) Fucking red dwarves. The people of the toadstools, they were involved in this battle. Good, some hippies. Yep. (laughs) Yeah. Really spaced out. Off their tits on magic magic (laughs) mushrooms, yeah. Um, Incubuses. Now, did you know? Do you know what an incubus is? Is it something you put a small baby or some eggs in until they're ready to hatch? No, I see what you did there. Incubuses are actually demon (laughs) male demons that lurk over sleeping women, ready to rape them. That is actually historically what an incubus is. Jesus. Yeah, fuck you, taking the piss out of my Narnia. Yeah, you didn't know that, did you? <laughs> eh? Historical thing there for you. Yeah. Could indeed be any guy in a tight shirt in a nightclub at midnight. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I was <laughs> I was telling some clients about a certain incident when I was at university, which is where a friend of mine and I were in a club at about two in the morning, and another friend of ours came over to us and we said, mate, could we, for, for the sake of a bit of privacy, we'll call him Barry. Okay, his name wasn't Barry. So Barry came across to us and we said, hey, Barry, can we just go home now? It's two in the morning. Uh, and Barry looked at us and he was a bit drunk and he was like, ah, all right, give me five minutes. Because he clearly wanted to pull. So he yeah. wandered <laughs> over to the nearest circle of females who were in a circle, you know, just having a bit of a boogie. He went up to the nearest one and just started grinding up against her from behind. Which obviously girls love. They love nothing more than a it's weird man. It's their favourite thing. Yeah, <laughs> stinking of booze coming up behind him and just grinding. <laughs> and so all the other girls. I think I, I, know, I think I know who you're talking about now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so all the other girls in the circle then start laughing hysterically, and me and this other guy look in and saying, "What's go- what's going on? What's Barry doing?" And then the girl that Barry was grinding up against wrestles herself away, turns around and actually turns out to be a man with long hair. (laughs) 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 And we ripped the piss out of him. (laughs) We were in hysterics. (laughs) Anyway, also in the army of the White Witch, ankle slicers, very strange. Uh, Wusses as well, which you wouldn't want in a battle, would you? A bunch of wusses. No, I've got to say, the Army of the White Witch seems a bit of a ragtag force at the moment, consisting of old ladies, grey squirrels, <laughs> scaredy, scaredy cats, demons. and hippies. Yep. <laughs> I've chosen the best ones. And estate agents in nightclubs. She had some evil apes and some other talking animals as well. I'm just choosing the best ones, the silliest ones. The wusses I thought was Good. odd. Why would, you, why would you want wusses in your army? Oh, it's a bit giant. It's very scary. Oh, I'm not going anywhere near him. Brave, 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 brave Sir Robin. <laughs> Chickening out and fucking off. <laughs> the person who's put this on Wikipedia has even put strength, you know, 5,000 versus 15,000 brackets, according to uh, the film. And the best <laughs> bit of all is... There's, this is, again, in this sort of box down the right-hand side of the page. It says, casualties, unknown, but heavy. It's <laughs> <laughs> not a real fucking battle. It's the Chronicles of Narnia. <laughs> anyway. Also, that was definitely one of the hippies who wrote that when they were coming down off the magic mushrooms. <laughs> Unknown, man, but heavy. It's real heavy, man. Now, there is a link here. Now, the Chronicles of Narnia leads me nicely... <laughs> fucking good. <laughs> ...onto my topic, which is ferryman of myth. Because C.S. Lewis, who wrote the Chronicles of Narnia, was heavily influenced 
by classical Germanic Norse Celtic mythology. He, in fact, was, I think he was Northern Irish, and he was very fond of Irish mythology. There you go, I learned another word as well here, Sam, that I'm going to teach. I've told you what an incubus is. Listen to this. Have you ever heard of the word psychopomp? <laughs> it's a genre of trance music I'm not particularly familiar with, but I know it's very big in Berlin. I thought it sounded a little bit like a Geordie <laughs> describing a fart. Oh, you never guess what? I just did a really psycho pump. You know, stank horribly. Oh, you are I'm not blind, Declan. Blind. <laughs> Stop it with the nineties TV references. You cannot do a Geordie accent, especially about farting, and expect me not to mention Biker Grove. Right, it's... Yeah. <laughs> Grove! Yeah, so... <laughs> Sorry, any listeners who aren't from Every the week, I promise, I'll stop. Yes, so a psychopomp is a character that helps people get to the underworld or get to the next life. So that is what ah, a psychopomp a is. Yeah, there you go. So I'm just going to talk about ferrymen because obviously we're going to link it to rivers and probably the best known ferryman from mythology is Charon, which is obviously classical. Indeed. Greek and Roman. And he yep. ferried the souls of recently deceased individuals across the river Styx and Acheron to the underworld. This is in lots and lots of ancient Greek and Roman myths. Aeneas in the Aeneid meets Charon. Heracles has done so. Odysseus, Theseus, many of these um Famous figures from classical myth. Do you know what else Charon is, Tom? Um, Bit of science knowledge for you. It, it, it's a moon, isn't it? It's a moon of Pluto. Uh, it a is. Moon of Uranus. No, it is the moon of Pluto. It is moon of Pluto. There you go. Sorry. I just it wanted is. to say Uranus. Uh, uh. Hey. <laughs> you wanted to see my anus? Oh, I did. <laughs> There's also a chap called Yershanabi. This is Mesopotamian myth. And he turns up in the, ep- the Epic of Gilgamesh. And I think you've mentioned the Epic of Gilgamesh in a previous episode, haven't you? Yes, yeah, I have. The earliest surviving work of literature from about 2100 BC. Now, Irish mythology, they have their own chap, a chap called Mananan MacLeur, and there are variations in Scottish, Welsh and Manx myth. In Welsh myth, he actually has a brother called Bran the Blessed, which sounds oh. remarkably like... Brian Blessing, Sam. It's all beginning to fit, Tom. Hello. I'm here to ferry you to the other side. You'll never believe what my brother does. So, yeah, Bran the Blessed in Welsh myth. And this chap, Mananan McClure, is awesome, Sam. He is fantastic. He's got a boat called Wave Sweeper. And he's got a wave sea sweeper. chariot called Waterfall. That sounds like a speedboat. Yeah, wave sweeper. Wow, he's got a speedboat and a jet ski. A sea chariot called Waterfoam. Yeah, a bit like a jet ski, I imagine. And he, even better, he has a sword called the Answerer. Oh. And if he points it at someone... What's that quote from Game of Thrones, Tom? Only a cunt names their sword. <laughs> yes. Excellent, excellent quote from the Hound. Yes. If he points his sword, it's my favourite quote from the whole of Game of Thrones. If he points his sword, the answerer, at someone, they have to answer his questions truthfully. How good would that be? That is great. Who put the coloured sock in with the whitewash? Who didn't empty the dishwasher? (laughs) So, great little tool, that one. He's also got a cloak of invisibility and a flaming helmet. 
Now, I'm guessing he doesn't take them both out at the same time. I'm sorry, he has what? <laughs> he has a flaming helmet. Yep. He should definitely see a doctor about that. <laughs> yeah. Mythological STIs were horrendous. So... I, yeah, tell me about it. <laughs> he gets his sword out and points at all the women in Hades. Which one of you gave me chlamydia? <laughs> Oh, it was you, Chlamydia. I see. <laughs> it was you, Chlamydia, yes. <laughs> I should have known it was you or Syphilis. Wow. I thought it might have been her. <laughs> well, that's a bit of uh, that's a bit of mythological knowledge we didn't need, but I'm glad we have. I think Odysseus got an STI, didn't he, from the herpes that were uh, flying around. That was, <laughs> hey. Hey, thank you very much. That was a harpies joke. Thank you very much. <laughs> that just sounds like an incredibly posh person got herpes, doesn't it? <laughs> I say... As Olympus the other day, and I called Harpies. <laughs> I thought this chap, Mananan McClure, would be played excellently by Liam Neeson in a film. He's got Liam Neeson yep, written all over him. So I was thinking Shane McGowan from The Pogues. <laughs> <laughs> Jerry Adams. <laughs> <laughs> the Sarda Tree. <laughs> now let me get on to my source. This is a... Uh, a poem called Harbartsluth from Norse mythology. And it's a short poem found in the Codex Regius, which was written around 1270. And in it, many old Norse poems survive. And it's currently in Iceland. And it's a very precious document to the Icelanders. In 1971, it was actually transferred to Reykjavik from Copenhagen with a military escort. That's how important this document is to the to the Norse. And just shows how little the Icelandic military have to do. <laughs> <laughs> it's, this poem is a contest of abuse between Thor, who we all know is the hammer-wielding god of Norse mythology, and the ferryman Harbath, who is probably Odin in disguise. Odin being Woden in Old English, being the origin of Wednesday, and Thursday obviously being Thor's yeah. day. There you go. Did you know that? I did not know that. I did not know that, no. Oh, there you go. Wednesday comes from Woden, which is an Old English god, which is obviously connected to this North god Odin. Yeah, Wednesday. You knew about Thursday being Thor's day, didn't you? No, I didn't know that. Blow me down and call me barnacles. I I will. Thank you, barnacles. I've actually learned something in today's podcast. There you go. Excellent. Right, now I'm going to go to the source here. So this is... It's very, very chaotic source, this, Sam. It is a very, very difficult... It it sounded like it was going to be fantastic because I researched it and it said it was a contest of abuse between Thor and Odin. I thought, fucking hell, that's going to be brilliant. It's just really confusing. So anyway, let me have an attempt at this. <clears throat> I will hopefully try and explain... It's quite a small poem. It's quite a short poem. But I will hopefully try and explain what goes on in this poem and I might just have to translate it into the sort of English that you would get on a Friday night at maybe, you know, midnight outside a club. Oh, okay. Right, so Thor is on his way back from a journey in the east where he's been fighting some giants like you do. Of course. And he gets to this um, he gets to this sound, you know, a, a bit of water. A coast, yes. Coastline. He sees someone on the far side with a boat and he says, Oi, you over there, don't suppose you give me a lift, would you? I've got a load of herrings and porridge in my bag. Boat me across in the morning, you can have some. The ferryman, who is Odin, says, Oh, look at you, you Big show with your fucking porridge in your bag and your herrings. Oh, look at me. Oh, look at me. Big show. <laughs> the big uh, I am, yeah. Oh, look at you, you stinky bastard with your fishy backpack. Odin then goes on to say, oh, I bet you, you, you're going on about your bloody fishy backpack all the time, but you don't realise your mum's dead. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah, I know. Gets that escalated quite quickly. Quick, doesn't it? Doesn't hang around, Odin, when it comes to a <laughs> contest of abuse. 
and then he says, Three good dwellings, methinks, thou hast not. Barefoot thou standest, and wearest a beggar's dress. Not even hose dost thou have. So um, Odin basically <laughs> says, you scrub, so you, you cunt, but you ain't got three houses like me. You haven't even got a holiday home, mate. You haven't even got a holiday home. Not even a static caravan. No, I've got three houses, I have. All of them, two-storey, not a bungalow in sight. En suites, mate. All of them. <laughs> Every single room, every single room, a backpack full of fish and porridge, eh? Yeah, I've got so much fish, but you don't see me going around gloating, do you? Saying, oh, look at me, my fish, my fish and porridge. And then he goes on to say that, you know, it's not for me to say if I can take you across, Thor, because um, actually I've been told by this bloke called Hildorf that I can have his boat, but I'm only allowed to take people across if I know their name. So uh, what's your name? And Thor says, well, I'm not going to tell you my name because I'm in danger. I've been beating up all these giants in the east, right? And I'm still in their lands. So I don't want people going around knowing that I'm Thor, the giant beater. Oh, shit. Let slip, didn't I? Oh, <laughs> oh fuck. What's that sound? Oops. I can hear a giant What coming. am I like? What am I like? <laughs> <laughs> this is how I got in this trouble in the first place. Uh, so we get a little bit further on. And Thor says, Great trouble, methinks, it would be to come to thee, to wade the waters across and wet my middle. Weakling... Well, shall I pay thy mocking words if cross the sound I come? So Thor's starting to get a bit angry. He's saying, you there, Odin, you fucking wait. If I get over there, I might be a bit wet, but I'm going to give you a fucking hiding. And Odin says, well, here shall I stand and await thee here. So he's, you know, bring it on. Uh, where do we get there? And, and then also Thor says that after that, he says, well, you know, I'm not scared of you, mate, because I've just been in the East beating up giants, one of whom had a head of stone and I felled him. What have you been doing while I was doing that, mate? And then Odin says, well, for five full winters, I've been shagging girls. I've been getting my... I've been getting my willy wet. I've been just getting so much action. <laughs> oh. Yeah. What have you been doing? We've both been getting our middles wet, eh? Uh, yeah, eh? Yeah. <laughs> That's a bit of a dick line, isn't it? I've been slaying giants, mate. What have you been doing? Slaying pussy. It's basically, it is exactly what it says. That is pretty much the translation, Sam. It's very much the <laughs> translation. So there's a lot of back and forth here between Odin and Thor, where, where Thor's saying, well, I did this, and Odin's saying, well, I did that. And we've all overheard these conversations, haven't we, from two guys who are just trying to outdo each yeah. other with their anecdotes. Welcome to this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Here's a good one. This is uh, Odin speaking. Thor has might enough, but never a heart, for cowardly fear. In a glove wast thou fain to crawl, and there forgot thou wast Thor. Afraid there thou wast... Thy fear was such to fart or sneeze, lest Fajala should hear. Um, <laughs> this is a reference to a more famous story from Norse mythology where Thor is in giant's country and uh, thinks he's hiding in a little cave but is actually hiding in a giant's glove and starts getting a bit scared shitless when he discovers that he's in a giant's glove and there's a giant nearby. So there you go. So there's that reference as well. Uh, so he's starting to, you know... Odin's just been a bit nasty, really, and insulting. I once put a pair of gloves on, which I've been in my shed for a while, and there was a family of wasps living in them. Oh. And <laughs> so, uh, so I sympathise. I sympathise. That's something you learn very quickly when you live in Australia not to do. Don't put <laughs> yeah. any item of clothing on before thoroughly checking it. <laughs> for Australians. Yes. Yes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> anyway what else have we got here oh yeah so we got more of Odin talking about how he's been getting it up you know getting lots of people here's a rather strange sentence don't know what to make of this um, Thor says no hill biter am I in truth like an old leather shoe in spring 
<laughs> I don't know. Up to you to try and translate that one. Wee! I think that must rhyme in Norse or something. The translator of this poem has written on a number of occasions, I don't know what to do with the original text. It's so confusing. Um, it's been mistranslated so many times. I really don't know what's going on. Which was disappointing again. I, it was quite disappointing. So I was just hoping for two Norse gods just having it off, uh, having it off, having it out with each other. <laughs> having it out with each other. Weird, wouldn't it? <laughs> I say. <laughs> uh, we bo- and then we both got our middles wet. <laughs> uh, where where else am I? Oh, what have I got? To- You've got to deitic homoeroticism, Tom. That's right. And Odin eventually says, I've had enough of you. I've had enough of you, Thor. You're going to have to take the long way round. And he describes to him the best way round. And he says, it's going to take a while, though, but you're going to have to go the long way round because I'm not taking you across this sound. Uh, and it ends It ends with Odin being a bit nasty and saying, get hence where every evil thing shall have thee. So go fuck yourself, Thor. Go somewhere where there's lots of evils. So, yeah, that's, um, that, that's my um, rather... <laughs> that's my rather chaotic... confused story for this week's podcast and um it is chaotic and confused because the source i used was incredibly chaotic and confused there you have it there you go well you kept the original intention of the source and that's the most important thing to be bloody confusing that's exactly what i was trying to do and it's quite hard to do that sam because i'm a very organized person and um i like that you are tom i could hear the pain in your voice There you go. That's it, Sam. That's that, that only took 57 minutes. Yeah, that's succinct, Tom. Succinct. <laughs> Over to you. Today, I'm going to talk uh, again a, a bit about mythology. And I've gone for Japanese mythology, which I think is the first time I've done this. And I'm going to talk to you today, Tom, about the Kappa. Or as I like to call them, Japan's cucumber-loving, prostate-examining, child-snatching water perverts. That was strange. It was. But they're all that and so much more, Tom. Why? Because Japan. Japan's fucking mental, their folklore's mental, everything about that country is mental. Uh, you know I what, I it. actually, this is ringing a bell. Oh dear. Very distant, I, I don't know much about them, but I think <laughs> I've heard of these before, now that you start describing them. <laughs> the name didn't ring a bell, but the fact that they were cucumber-loving, prostate-examining, child-snatching, water perverts, you thought, oh, them! <laughs> I, no, I, I think I, cause I've spent a bit, I, we spent a bit of time in Tokyo, and I think I came across, not... Yeah, actually came across because I don't think they exist. But I, I think I remember reading up about what? them. Yeah, so they're very, very well known still in Japan. They're very, very famous. And what they're known as today is kind of harmless, fun, funny little creatures. They appear a lot in kids' cartoons. They're quite often used as kind of company mascots in Japan, where lots of companies still have silly mascots. And also used as kind of water safety mascots a lot of the time. <laughs> So there'll be a kappa saying, Don't fall in the water, guys, because we'll rape you. <laughs> yeah, don't dive in the shallow end. <laughs> <laughs> We're waiting for you. We're waiting. Pretty much. So the kind of the darker element of their past has been forgotten. But I'll be talking a bit about that today because it's, it's dark, but also very, very funny. So, Tom, what is a kappa? Well, the name means river child. And they're basically naughty little demons. Oh, they're cheeky, Tom. They're very cheeky. They look quite a lot like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles in most of the kind of the ancient engravings. Excellent. Yeah, we mentioned Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles last week. They're making a comeback this week. That's pretty much what they look like. They're kind of greenish and slimy, about 60 centimetres, around two feet high, and basically look like people with webbed feet and shells on their back. Oh, excellent. Yeah. They were on the White Witch's side. Yeah, they were, yeah. (laughs) 
Well, they possibly they sound a bit effective for being on the White Witch's side. I don't think they really fit in with the hippies, the wusses, and the squirrels. But they do have one weakness, and that is that they have a dished skull, a sort of a, a bowl on top of their head, which is always filled with water. But we'll come on to that later. Mm. So they're basically turtles with bowls on their heads, about two feet tall. Kappa, as we know them today, started to appear in Japanese folklore in around about the 16th century. And it's believed they evolved from a combination of things, including a character called Sha Wu Jin from a Chinese book called The Journey to the West, which was first published in 1592. It's best known in the West by its title, uh, Monkey. And also, their appearance is thought to have been based sort of on the appearance of the first Portuguese monks who started to arrive in Japan around the same time. So the kind of the balding head, the habits, you can kind of see, if you imagine the kind of the traditional... Friar tuck style monk. Very short. Green. <laughs> slimy. Tiny. Slimy. <laughs> Love cucumbers. Hello. Yeah. <laughs> we come in peace. Squelch, squelch. Yes. Squelch, squelch, squelch. squelch. <laughs> As they walk onto land. <laughs> well, I guess if they'd been shipwrecked, they might have. <laughs> yeah, Maybe. It was, just, it was just seaweed. We were the green dwarves. Nobody wanted us in yeah. Narnia. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we were the White Witch's Navy. We got lost. <laughs> so, yeah, they're kind of based on the, the traditional monk with a balding head and slightly tubby and, and wearing a, a monk's habit. Before that, though, so the, the kappa dates back to the 14th century. And before that, they're depicted as sort of otter-like creatures. So around 400 years ago, they turned from otters into turtles. That's supposedly where That's they're the kind of... That's for you. Darwin had it right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So a little bit more about these cappers. They are incredibly strong, despite their small size. They're supposedly fantastic sumo wrestlers. Of course they are. Why the fuck um, wouldn't so, they be? So good they're in a scrap. short, green, slimy, bald. They have water on their head and they're great sumo wrestlers. If you're saying, why the fuck wouldn't they be? Of course, that sounds ridiculous. Now, you wait. <laughs> you wait. <laughs> because, Tom, not only are they fantastic sumo wrestlers, these little um, two-foot-tall otter turtle things also have a very childish sense of humour and love nothing better than to burp and fart loudly and rudely to each other <laughs> as is traditional in folklore which uh, which they love to do to make children giggle <laughs> not only and this Tom not as only illustrated. As a, yes and children at heart but not only Tom not only are they burping farting turtle otters <laughs> based on monks Burp and farting turtle otters. Farting turtle otters. Fathers in a half shell. Burping power. Killing all your children. <laughs> Being molesters. Yeah. Um, no, they're also perverts, Tom. They like to sneak into villages near the river at night and peer through windows at ladies taking off their kimonos. <laughs> <laughs> yes. What was that, Tom San, outside the window? Oh, that's def- definitely a kappa. Yeah, it's uh, definitely definitely a kappa, love. Yep, yep, it's bending over and lighting its own farts while the, all the other kappas giggle. Steve, you've been <laughs> spotted. <laughs> you've been spotted, Steve. It's definitely the kappa that's, far- this kappa that's farting and watching you outside your bedroom window at night. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Keeps giving himself away because he's giggling. <laughs> sl- the- Shush! <laughs> Shush, we're trying to perv on this lady. Shush. You're too farted. Tom San, what is that sloshing, slapping noise outside? Oh, it's just the water in his head. It's just the water in his head. (laughs) 
That's his head bowl. It's definitely his head bowl slapping around. <laughs> they do speak as well. They're actually stories of, of Kappa falling in love and flirting with with ladies and having children with them but mostly they're just burping farting voyeurs these guys <laughs> why, would, why wouldn't you want to make love to a small <laughs> to, green slimy to, to a two foot <laughs> turtle <laughs> that enjoys farting and burping it's like George Clooney we've just described George Clooney haven't we? I know right yeah there's nothing more attractive to a lady than <laughs> Than a grumbling giant otter <laughs> Lecching through the house. window <laughs> Letching and belching <laughs> <laughs> And assorted other names of uh, Abandoned dwarves from Snow White <laughs> Oh dear Incidentally Tom Incidentally the Kappa also have a land based Cousin called the Hyosube which is very much like A Kappa very similar but hairier and uh, uh, this is genuinely true, Tom. This is genuinely true. Their main job in Japanese folklore, and I think you'll like this, is to break into people's houses at night in order to wash and leave lots of hair clogging up the bath and the plug hole. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking love Japanese folklore. Oh, jeez. Uh, so, yes. So, there you go. The high, it's, it's not your wife who's leaving all her hair in the sink, Tom. It's the Hayasube breaking into wash at night. It's not ladies. It's imps. It's little hairy imps. Breaking oh. into your house to use your bathtub. Good grief. Anyway, Tom, as if this story couldn't get any weirder, uh, the Kappa's favourite thing in the whole world is cucumbers. They fucking Why love not? cucumbers, Tom. <laughs> Why not? I don't know why this is Japanese folklore and it's clearly batshit crazy. The the main theory surrounding Lebanese or Telegraph. <laughs> what? Lebanese or Telegraph cucumbers? Yeah, do you not know which you know you don't know the difference between your cucumbers? I don't know. Am I gonna learn oh, something now? Out loud. Well you don't you well you, Lebanese and telegraph cucumbers are two very different things, Sam. <laughs> I, bet, I bet they are. Yeah. Lebanese, right, you've got to peel the skin because it's got a thick hard skin on it. And a telegraph cucumber I is see. probably the cucumber an ignoramus like you is more familiar with. God, I cannot believe this. First you didn't oh, know sorry, what the is... forward to Baruna was, and now you don't know the difference between a Lebanese cucumber and a telegraph. Well, I think we found a topic for next week, Tom. I think our topic's vegetables. <laughs> I'm willing to give that a go. <laughs> Done. Well, yes, the, the Kappa love cucumbers. Uh, just to get vaguely back <laughs> vaguely back to the story an hour and 15 minutes into the podcast recording already um, mm. I don't know why they leave cucumbers the theory the theory is that because cucumbers are full of water it's like a home from home for the water based kappa so that it reminds them of home and it's basically a ready water supply they can take with them right. but at any rate I think that's probably over examining the batshit crazy story there's nothing a kappa won't do for a cucumber if you <laughs> offer it a cucumber it will pretty much do whatever you want <laughs> And it's one of the ways in which you can appease them and make them work for you and do your bidding is to is to offer an angry cap or a cucumber. <laughs> Genuinely, there's loads of classical Japanese carvings and artworks and prints, incredibly beautiful ones, of strange turtle creatures running around with a cucumber <laughs> in their hands. So there you go. They fucking love cucumbers at any rate. These are sounding very minion-like, these cappers. Yes, yeah. I mean, to be honest, it sounds like if you asked your three-year-old to make up a monster... Yep. You'd end up with a turtle that loves cucumbers and burps a lot. Yes. Yeah, I think you're right. <laughs> so so that is the kappa. That's the basic that's your basic kappa in a nutshell. 
turtle power. Naughty little pervy turtle monk otter things who like to peek at ladies and fart and eat cucumbers. So basically, apart from the cucumbers bit, any teenage boy. <laughs> that is similar to this chap called yeah. Barry that I used to yes. know at university. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> But, Tom, they aren't just cheeky, lovable imps. They're actually utter bastards. They are evil little shitbags. Their main job, apart from playing practical jokes and stealing cucumbers, is, and this is where it gets very dark very quickly, is pulling passers-by into the water and drowning them. Hey, fun time. Hey, lads, lads, lads. Just a bit of fun. It's just a bit. It's a, it's a prank, bro. It's a prank. There are two groups of people they especially like to do this to. One is people on horseback. Right. But they especially like to drown kids. Right. Who they grab out of villages and haul into rivers. Which is why nowadays, the twisting of the traditional folklore, nowadays this is why they're used as water safety mascots in Japan. Yeah. Because if you go swimming or dive into the shallow end or bomb or run around the edge of the pool, the kappa's gonna get you. Yeah. It's probably this day and age just give you a stern telling off rather than drown you. Yeah. It's health and safety gone mad, frankly, but yeah. there you go. Bribe them with a cucumber and they'll let you stay in the pool. <laughs> yeah, just hurl cucumbers at the lifeguard. <laughs> It's difficult to swim for all these cucumbers floating around. It is. It is. Yeah, there's a little little jacuzzi in the corner, which is actually just a small pool with loads of cappers farting in it. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> they're just underground. There's just a kind of a cave, a cellar underneath the hot tub, and they're just bent over, just <laughs> farting into, into little tubes. Giggling. Yeah. Just taking it dark again for a second. The baby drowning part of the story probably comes from the fact that in feudal Japan in the 16th century and quite a while after the 16th century, poor families would frequently leave unwanted babies or kids they couldn't support down by the river to drown or die of exposure, much like they did in um, in, in ancient Rome and ancient Greece. And so that's why... Responsible parenting. Yeah. <laughs> and so that's where the story came from. It's to distract from the fact that they were killing kids by basically telling the kids who survived, oh, if you see babies drowned by the river, it's the kappa. Not your mum and dad. That's <laughs> oh, yeah, nice. So it's a naughty capper, not desperate infanticide. So pretty awful, really. Yeah, a dark, a dark element to a, an otherwise funny story. Anyway, the babies, the babies, the cappers, they just drown them. That's nice and easy. If you get drowned, you get eaten. Eh, fine. Adults, Tom, the adults who get pulled in by the cappers get a far more gruesome fate. <laughs> Is this where the prostate exams come? Yes, it is, Tom. Yes, it is, because the because the kappa are after their shirikadama. Right. Now, Tom, do you know what the shirikadama is? Have you ever is, heard of it? Is it a type of sweet that you can buy in a sweet shop? Well... Like a penny sweet. Almost. Shirikadama. <laughs> and I'll have five spaceships, a shirikadama. <laughs> I was going to say, well, the only other sweet I could think of was a chocolate starfish. <laughs> <laughs> well, the Shirakadama and the chocolate starfish are not entirely unrelated. <laughs> and the Kappa certainly have a taste for them. Ooh. And there are, I'm, I, I'm sure there are stranger sweets that you can buy in a Japanese sweet shop. <laughs> yeah. I dread to think. Um, I, I, I played a game in Japan. I played the same game in China. Oh, Mystery Meat. And uh, basically it is you just... Yeah, you just you pick up an item in a shop or off a menu and you point at it and then you eat it and you see what it is that you've gotten. Is it a crab filled with jelly? Who knows? <laughs> mm. Is it a trifle in a skull? Could oh, that's be. very Indiana Jones. <laughs> yeah, I had a bit of a mind blank. That's the only thing I could uh, I could think of. Anyway, the Shirikadama. No, it's not a sweet Tom. It's the human soul. 
in Japanese folklore. But because Japan is mad, the Japanese don't believe that your soul is in your heart or in your mind. No, Tom. They believe that the soul lives in a little ball in your bum hole. Yeah. (laughs) Mm, That sweet soul music, Sam. (laughs) Sitting on the dock of the bay. (laughs) Feeding the kappa cucumbers. (laughs) So the soul is essentially your prostate in Japanese folklore. Right. <laughs> to all intents and purposes. Right. And that, Tom, if you're an adult, is what the kappa are after. So whilst kids just get drowned for shits and giggles, adults get their soul and their prostate ripped out through their bum whilst being held underwater by a gaggle of naughty turtles. <laughs> <laughs> and let's be honest, if the drowning doesn't get you, being fisted by a giant otter probably will. <laughs> Well, I say, uh, I, I, yeah, I'd, I'd take the, I'd take the, um, I'd take the hilly route if I was trying to get from one yeah. to another. Yeah, I think we'll skip the ferry ride across. Yeah. So, so why do they do this, Tom? Why do they do this? Well, sometimes it's just to eat it, and apparently the um, shirikadama also blocks access to the liver. So they try and eat. They're basically trying to eat your prostate and your liver. Sometimes that's why they do it. Other times they actually use your prostate as currency. Right. And they're collecting them to pay their taxes to the river god or the river king. And what the fuck does the river king want for the prostates? Oh fuck knows. He's just fuck got knows. a big pile of prostates. He's like, oh, look at me. I've got a fucking great pile of prostates. <laughs> yeah. Look at my wealth. Look at me sitting like Scrooge McDuck on my giant <laughs> mountain of prostates. prostates yeah. Look at me diving into my prostate, my say. prostate <laughs> vault. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, slimy prostates. Well, quite. So anyway, Tom, how do you catch or defeat one of these bastard, murderous, impy water demons? Put a mouse trap up your bum. Closer than you'd think. Closer than you'd think. Uh, do you want to elaborate on that guess? No, no, you tell me more. Go on. Okay. Well, you, you obviously can't do it by force because they're far too strong. Amazing sumo wrestlers, remember. They're very, very yeah. strong. Yeah, you can say that. And obviously very good swimmers. So instead, Tom, you have to trick them and you have to go fishing for kappa. And genuinely, this is again depicted in traditional Japanese artworks. The best way to try and lure a kappa is to give it what it wants. And so there are some brilliant artworks. Cucumbers. <laughs> well... And bumholes. Bumholes, Tom. You go fishing with your bumhole. So there are some <laughs> genuinely brilliant Japanese engravings of this happening. And essentially, what you do in Japanese folklore to catch a kappa is you put a swing above a river, a rope swing, you hitch your kimono up, <laughs> and you go swinging, bare ass, leg spread, Kimbo, across the river to lure the kappa out. And there are some really beautiful engravings. <laughs> A very stern and determined looking men swinging above a river. Arses bared to the world. Incredibly detailed arses, by the way. Japanese artwork's fantastic. Whilst the kappa look wantonly on. So, yes, you had to go fishing by swinging above a river with your arse exposed. Have some of that. Oh. Look at my bum hole. You see the kappa just leaping Ooh. leaping out of the water, just kind of grabbing at it. Yes. I'll de- I'll de- <laughs> yeah. You see a load of dirty little kappas go, oh, take your, go take your Komodo off. Oh, oh yeah. Oh. Oh. Waggling their little cucumbers. Oh. Oh. <laughs> Look at the soul in that. Oh, I'd, 
Oh, you wouldn't believe what I would do with that prostate. Yeah, I would like lovely to mental image, isn't it? Um, that I've just Googled Japanese kappa, and nothing Sam has said is wrong. I'm looking at pictures. <laughs> I know, right? I know. <laughs> this is fucking bizarre. It is, isn't it? I'll put some of these pictures on our social media account. So we're on uh, that underscore was underscore genius on Twitter and just that was genius on Facebook and Instagram. I'll put some of these up because they're fucking brilliant. The guys in the engravings just look so determined. They've got a real look of concentration, (laughs) which I guess you would have swinging feet above a giant otter that's about to rip your prostate out oh, dear. and so what do you do when you've lured your kappa tom you've you've got it out you've got it on land you've kind of swung it's jumped out it's landed on the riverbank what do you do well play on one of their defining personality traits which as we've seen from their behavior thus far is politeness tom oh okay despite the fact that they're perverts who'll steal your cucumbers fart in your face kill your kids and put their hands up your bum uninvited they are very polite oh, when it comes to formal respectfulness I, I, I'm awfully awfully sorry there dear boy but uh, we do happen to have captured you and as a result we're afraid we're going to have to stick our arms up your bottom and pull out your prostate yes terribly sorry for any inconvenience you don't need the thing anyway do you I mean you might enjoy it you might enjoy it but uh, yes, rules is rules, I'm afraid. You know, the toll must yes. be paid. And you do know what you were getting yourself in for, don't you? Yes. You know there were cappers in this river. You saw the rope swing. I'm afraid you must take a little responsibility for your own actions, old boy. <laughs> yes, Tom, they're very polite. So what you do is when you've got the capper out on dry land, you bow to them. You bow nice and low and polite and formal. Facing which way? (laughs) (laughs) Well, hmm, that's a very good question. I hadn't considered this. Yes, hmm. Two very different meanings to the same gesture, isn't it? Yes. (laughs) I'll have to read up on my sources and get back to you on that. (laughs) Well, if you do it right, if you do it facing them, nice and low and polite, they will return the gesture. At which point that bowl of water on their head comes into play. Ah. Because it'll spill as they bow. And if a capper's head bowl is emptied or damaged, they're immediately paralysed or choked so they can't breathe without it. So you've caught yourself a capper. Now, right. at this point, there's two things you can do, Tom. Firstly, you could leave the capper to die. That is absolutely fair enough. Nothing wrong with that. No one would think anything about it. The little prick probably deserves it. Or you could be savvy and use this to your advantage. Because Kappa, as well as being the most polite of murderous voyeurs, are very loyal. If you give one a cucumber, you've got a friend for life. <laughs> if you save one's life by refilling its water bowl... You will have a loyal servant, literally forevermore. It will ask nothing in return. It'll cook, oh, it'll clean, it'll fantastic. work your rice paddies, you name it. But you can start collecting prostate. Yeah, absolutely. You can yeah. have a big pile of them. Brilliant. You can be a prostate millionaire. Yeah. Like Bitcoin. Bum coin. <laughs> a shit coin. Bum coin. <laughs> Half a prostate will buy you a pizza. <laughs> Oh, that would be brilliant if people were just buying drugs on the dark web using prostates. (laughs) So, yes, if you fancy being a prostate millionaire and you don't want to have to go on the hit TV show Who Wants to Be a Prostate Millionaire to get it, then, yes, you can just catch yourself a capper and they'll go and grab them for you. But they'll basically do anything you want. So people in Japanese mythology and folklore used to deliberately catch capper to use them as slaves or servants. And so there you go, Tom. If you are ever in Japan... 
and you see a filthy, basically human creature about 60 centimetres tall working in a rice paddy. It's not an eight-year-old being subjected to horrific conditions under child labour. No, Tom, it's the mythical bum otter repaying a debt of a life saved. <laughs> Honestly, officer, that's what it is. It's my pet bum otter. The arse burrowing <laughs> slimy perverts. Yeah, it's just my arse turtle. <laughs> it's in the field. <laughs> Oh god, a 60 centimetre arse turtle, Jesus. That sounded like a ballad. The ballad of the arse turtle. <laughs> That's a Johnny Cash song I've not heard yeah, in a while. Yeah. That's what I was thinking. Dang 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 dang. It came out of the river and put its hand up my ass. <laughs> so there you go, Tom. The Kappa, Japan's farty, cucumber-loving, prostate-nibbling water demons and their plug-hole-blocking friends, reduced from murderous child killers to kids' TV characters. There you go. Excellent. Yeah, I think you're right. That is one of the silliest things we've heard on this podcast. <laughs> Incidentally, by the way, a, a very quick public service announcement uh, before I finish. If you are male and aged 50 or above and listening to this podcast, you are in a high-risk group for prostate cancer, so do feel free to go down to your local canal pull down your trousers, bend over, and chuck in a cucumber for a complimentary investigation and checkup. <laughs> Maybe that's right. Maybe that's what the sea god is. <laughs> the river god yes. is actually just a colorectal surgeon. Yeah. Doing ex- yeah. <laughs> just ch- looking out for people. If you've ever met a surgeon, they do have god complexes. So, um, yeah, maybe that's it. <laughs> Maybe they're just the god of rivers and collecting prostates. There are worse gods to be. <laughs> there are worse gods to be. Shout out once again to the Roman god of door hinges. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Whose name escapes me now. Can't think why. But yes, there we go, Tom. The Kappa, which I think is probably my favourite thing that I've ever talked about or learned about. Well done. Well done for finding that. That is ridiculous. That is a, a fairly roundabout, I think, delving into rivers and waterways. From that was genius. Oh, no, yours was relatively well-structured, Sam. Don't do yourself down. <laughs> Thanks. Should we do vegetables next week? I think it's as good a topic as any fuck it. Yeah, let's go vegetables. Good. I think cucumbers is a bit too specific. Do you know I've done it before. I mentioned it in passing, actually. There was, a, there was a war that was started, wasn't there, in America. between It was Canada and America nearly went to war over some pigs that ran across yeah, the border from a Canadian farmer's land yeah. into an American farmer's field and the pig ate the potatoes and it nearly started a war it ended in a military standoff with over 10,000 soldiers on each side yeah yeah, you did mention so can't it. do that one next week that's a shitter <laughs> yeah shouldn't have mentioned it the pig wars yeah right vegetables it is highbrow it's the most clearly the most <laughs> dramatic one we've ever done <laughs> great escapes history's greatest war heroes Carrots. <laughs> Swedes. Right. Oh, that's a good idea, actually. And on you that note... Swedish, you? Yeah, we could, you could just do Swedish, yeah. Yes. I hope you have enjoyed this little podcast. Do tune in next week. Thank you to all of our new listeners. We've had a few new listeners, actually, oh, in the we? last uh, couple of weeks. So welcome to That Was Genius. We have, yeah. Where are they from? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've had a few more from Australia. Oh, how the how on earth... A couple they... more from Canada. Okay. <laughs> How are they still hanging yeah, around? Gluttons say, punishment. You get insulted every episode. And welcome to our 22 listeners from the Netherlands. Oh. And three listeners in Japan. I'm a, I'm sorry for denigrating your heroic water safety mascots. <laughs> right. Thank you so much for listening wherever you're from in the world. Be that Sudan or Angola or South Africa. Any Icelanders? Uh, yes, three. Oh, excellent. So hello to all of you. Thank you for tuning in. Uh, please do come back next week for a Bienvenue. fascinating 
Vilgen. <laughs> Ciao. A fascinating delve into the wonderful world of vegetables. Kenichiwa. And if you have enjoyed this podcast, please do tell your friends about it. And we'll see you all next week. Bye. Have a good one.